0: Hey everyone, I'm Bill Mayeroff, and welcome to Season 3 of Hound Opinions. Um, it's hard to believe this podcast has been going on for a year already. Uh, thanks so much for coming along for the ride. Um, so anyway, if you've been following Big Wag Chicago on social media, then you know that since Roe v. Wade was overturned by the Supreme Court, and I'm using air quotes around Supreme, um, I have been regularly donating a portion of the proceeds of each walk and training session to both the Chicago Abortion Fund and Midwest Access Coalition. And that is why I wanted to do something a little different to kick off season three. Um, I wanted to shout out one of the organizations helping to make sure people across the country can still have access to safe, legal abortions. Uh, Let's not forget that abortion is healthcare to which all women and all people with uteruses have a right, full stop. All right, so my guests today are Veronica Mucha and Madison Lyle Rare of the Midwest Access Coalition. Veronica is a volunteer with the organization as well as working in immigration as a paralegal manager. Uh, In addition to her dog, Nora, she has two cats, Percival and Gertrude. Madison joined the Midwest Access Coalition in 2016 as a client coordinator and now serves as treasurer of the board in addition to doing many other things for the organization. Um, I am really excited to have these two on the pod. This is a cool organization, and I'm excited for you all to hear about the great work they do. And don't worry, we definitely talk about dogs a bit as well. All right, with no further ado, let's get to it. Hey, Madison and Veronica, thank you so much for being on the uh, season three premiere of Hound Opinions. I really appreciate it. Um... So first of all, um, I want you guys, as my boys have not hesitated to make their presence known, they wanted to be a part of season three um, as much as anybody. So Hello. that's fine. Yes, they are, they are very excited for this. Um, anyway, um, start, um, start with you, Madison. Why don't you kind of tell me what you do for, for the Midwest Access Coalition, and then Veronica, you can do the same thing.
1: Uh, Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and talk about some of my absolute favorite things in the world, Um, one of which is Midwest Access Coalition. Um, So I started with them late 2016, early 2017 as a client coordinator. So I volunteered one week a month um, staffing our, our hotline. And so I worked directly with clients making their travel arrangements, kind of seeing what they needed for their trips um, to get to where they were going to access abortion care. Um, And so did that for like two and a half years. I've held kind of several roles within the organization. Um, I currently serve um, on our board as the board treasurer. Um, I help out with some kind of random administrative and HR type things, um, supporting our staff. And then I, I still do take, um, a client here or there as well.
0: Awesome. All right. And how about you, Veronica? What do you, what's your role with, with the organization?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I started back
2: with Mac, I think, you know, kind of at its inception, um, in like 20, late 2014, early 2015, I think. Um, and I started as, uh, board member. Uh, it was a really loose term and they asked me if I wanted to coordinate for clients, which then turned into managing all volunteers and training all volunteers. Um, so I was like the original client coordinator um, and I would just, you know, field calls, um, uh, coordinate for clients, housing, transportation, getting them funds, etc., cetera, um, and train new people who want to come and help us host our clients or drive them from where, point A to point B. Um, And then that got to be a little bit overwhelming. So I ended up taking a step back and decided that I would try my hand at being the finance director for a year, which was a choice. Um, (laughs) And uh, about a year in, realized that was not the right position for me. So I, I left the board. And then about six months later, I ended up taking on um, our lockbox, now called piggy bank program, um, which started when I was coordinating or a little bit shortly thereafter. Um, Essentially, we have clinics across the nation at this point that um, have cash on hand that is MAC cash that can be given to clients on site if they need um, to field expenses like meds, gas, like, et cetera. Um, so I have since, I don't know, the last couple of years been helping to coordinate that program, which means like onboarding clinics, making sure they have the funds they need, et cetera. Um, and as of earlier this year, um, or late last year, I started helping to coordinate here and there for clients again as well.
0: That's a, That's awesome. Um, so how did you both decide to get involved in the first place? whoever Um, (laughs) yeah go ahead Veronica yeah go uh
2: mine was like a friend of a friend thing uh one of my one an old friend was one of the original co-founders and I'd known her for years and um she was like hey do you want to be a part of this organization and I truly did not understand what I like I understood what the point of Mac was but I didn't understand like the journey it would take me on, you know, seven so odd years later. Um, But I, yeah, I I joined the board and it was a working board and
1: just that it went from there.
0: Okay. What about you, Madison? How'd you get, how'd you end up here?
1: Uh, Yeah, I, I definitely feel the whole, like, did not um, foresee the journey uh, in a lot of ways, but I, um, you know, I had done some volunteer work for Planned Parenthood um, and, you know, was very passionate about the cause. And I was actually at like a random Planned Parenthood event and some people possibly, possibly Veronica, um, were passing out flyers for Mac. And I thought like, Oh, this is a great, possibly a great way to get back in touch. And it's funny because Veronica did train me. Um, and it was a training for hosts or drivers. And I was like, well, I don't have a car and I live in a (laughs) studio, so I don't really know what I can do. Um, (laughs) But she said they needed coordinators. And um I, like, raised my hand and was a little terrified. Um, but yeah, that was the, the beginnings.
0: Okay.
2: Were you in the training with Diana, the now executive director? Yes, I was. Yep. I thought so. Yeah, okay. oh, wow. yeah I, I remember doing that training because you like, it was like, Heaven sent, like I was like, I need coordinators. Other coordinators were quitting, they couldn't handle it. And then the two of you just like came and were brilliant and <laughs> lovely. And well, it was such a I- gift,
1: yeah. And we were all shocked that you like you did it on your own, even back then when the numbers were so much smaller than they are now. Yeah,
0: okay, that's a, that's really cool. That's a, that's sort of a, that, those are both kind of really cool origin stories. <laughs> um, I love it. Um, so. I guess for people who um, really haven't heard of MAC, um, Madison, you know, what, what's sort of the the elevator pitch about what MAC does?
1: Yeah. So um, MAC serves uh, clients who are traveling uh, to access abortion care to, from, or within the Midwest. And the definition of that range has grown as we have grown. Okay. Um, And we provide, you know, really any support associated with their trip. Um, So we will, you know, book and pay for bus, train, plane tickets, um, find lodging, whether it's, you know, through a city like Chicago, where we have a host program, um, where volunteers will host folks in their homes, um, or, you know, getting them a hotel, um, you know, providing gas reimbursements, food reimbursements. Um, you know, funds to offset childcare, kind of everything that goes into, um, you know, these trips that, that require additional funds. Um, And, uh, yeah, and we kind of, you know, stay in touch with them throughout their whole journey, because, um, you know, as any of us know who travel, like things happen, Um, you know, cars break down, you know, Flights get canceled, things like that. So we're there to support them, um, you know, and and to to get them to do whatever we can to get them to their appointment and back.
2: Yeah, we I I also feel like there's like um, uh, we don't directly provide emotional support, but I feel like there's just a lot of just general support for our clients as well. Like being in the in the the app we use to communicate with clients. It's always um, such a, a heartwarming experience to like see the interaction between the coordinators and just like the in such a like a difficult coordinating experience such a stressful time for these people who are trying to access care. I feel like the coordinators of Mac are just so kind and caring and like some people really have no one to help or support them. They're literally at it alone. their their family doesn't support them. their partners might be, um, border, like abusive or at least the borderline not supportive and you have these like really kind human beings on the other end who are just like willing to do whatever they can to like make it a successful access experience
1: yeah and i've always been struck by just like the amount of trust that our clients put in a complete stranger like just who's just a voice or a text on the other end of the phone um you know it's I, i'm sure that's scary for a lot of them um, but that's not something that i've ever taken lightly and it's kind of a, a beautiful thing.
0: Cool. Um, so, Edison, um, you said you had you had been at Planned Parenthood before. Um, Veronica, had you ever worked in, you know, sort of anything resembling this field or anything like that?
2: No. Uh, no, I mean, I've always supported abortion access as just sure. like, you know, a human being who thinks other human beings should have autonomy over their body and their health care. Right on. Uh, I never, I, I never before and never since have directly worked in support of abortion in any way, shape or form. Uh, prior, I, I continue to be an immigration paralegal. So,
0: okay. So, uh, also, also necessary, also very noble. So yes. love it. Um, uh,
2: corporate immigration paralegal. Let me, don't, still, don't inflate um, the ego. <laughs> but,
0: uh, I'm, I'm happy to, I'm happy to provide any ego boosts that, that are needed. So, um, <laughs> anyway, so, um, you know, you said you said Max has been around since about 2014. Um, OK. Um, and so, you know, as, as I told both of you, the reason I wanted you guys on um, on here is, you know, I started thinking about it after Roe v. Wade was overturned. I mean, you know, aside from, I guess, you know, the I guess the volume of people who might need who might need help accessing abortion services, how have things changed in those, in these last few months? Um, You know, from, you know, from what you guys do day to day to, you know, sort of all the, you know, more major logistical issues.
1: Um, What a loaded question. No, no, I'm sure it it
0: is. Um, But yeah, yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah. I mean, in, in a couple ways that are immediately coming to mind. I mean, definitely volume is like the big one that sticks out. Um, you know, we kind of prided ourselves before, um, row fell that, you know, we were able to support everyone who was kind of within that to, from, and within the Midwest purview, um, who called our line. And uh, mm-hmm. that is just nowhere near sustainable anymore, unfortunately. So okay. there's, you know, there's this kind of, you know, like you said, logistical kind of organizational pivot, and also, you know, an emotional element of, you know, there's there's folks that um, aren't going to be able to get that support from us. Like, hopefully, you know, there's other places where they can get support, but um, you know, that's that's really difficult um, yeah. to to kind of grapple with um but as our executive director likes to remind us like you know we as individuals and as one organization cannot support like you know the entire in, like the entirety of the effect of like what's going on okay um it's it's really a um you know a collective effort that that needs to happen with everyone um and the other thing i would say that i've seen change that's been really startling is a lot, like most of the folks we would see, um, who had to travel, you know, had um, kind of in the in the second half of of their gestation, um, and you know, needed kind of multiple day procedures. Um, but we're seeing more and more folks who just need to go, like, pick up the pill or have a okay. one day surgical procedure. Um, you know, that's that's like if it was in their own town would be fairly quick and easy to do, but they're having to travel, you know, it's really complicated like travel arrangements for like this, this one thing. Um, And we're seeing a lot more of that. And so it's not only that the volume has ticked way up, it's like, you know, these more kind of complicated logistically, these cases are more complicated logistically too, which, you know, takes more time and effort.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I feel like, didn't we have somebody come from like the Southeast? For
1: like a one day. Uh, yeah, I recently had someone um, and it was it was like a month of planning. Okay. <laughs> it was a lot. So
0: absurd. <laughs> so you, you brought up the sort of the definition of Midwest has kind of expanded since since Mac was a thing. So how did what did that definition start as and what is it now?
1: Oh, Veronica, I feel you probably know better about kind of where it started.
2: Do I? Because in 2015, I'm pretty sure. It's, I mean, the reality is, is it's people coming to the Midwest as well. Right. So, um, like, I, I remember, like, the first time I had a client come from, like, Mississippi. And, you know, that was a big deal. Um, and that was seven years ago. But I think, uh, I, I, I feel like that the definition of Midwest kind of became a conversation that happened post my co- coordinating um, as, as to try to like button down what that meant. Uh, I think when I was coordinating Mac was just such a much smaller organization that okay. even getting people to trust that we were legitimate was a problem. So, um, so, I mean, think about it. You're a person who like sees a website online, <laughs> like, you know, maybe, hopefully, or maybe the clinic refers you to us. Um, and like you are going to go stay in some stranger's house in Chicago is genuinely what people were doing. Hmm. So um, and Mac was maybe, you know, a year or two old. So um, to be completely honest, I don't remember what the exact definition of Midwest was previously, but I feel like we've kind of used the most liberal definition at this point now of what Midwest sure. is.
0: Okay. Um, so is like, what is the farthest either of you can remember, you know, at least in, in recent months or even, even years, what's the farthest you can remember somebody coming from?
2: I had a client from Texas. Sorry.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, uh, furthest in my whole time is probably Louisiana. Um, okay. and I think to kind of put a a little bit of kind of like what the expansion might look like. I know at some point we kind of adopted a couple States that might be considered plain States. <laughs> if you're just, you know, kind of looking at a map, um, but that maybe didn't have any like local or state resources. Um, and also I do remember, I don't remember when exactly this was, but I do remember when we expanded to um, sending folks uh, to the, several clinics in the country um that go the farthest in terms of gestational age um so for us that's primarily um boulder colorado um uh, new mexico um and the washington dc area and so you know we've definitely sent even folks from like the immediate you know chicago area um if they're even past the the gestational limit for Illinois, um, you know, going, going to those, those places. And so that was another like big expansion.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, Mac is, is based in Illinois. Um, so just again, for people who, who aren't sure, uh, what is, what is the gestational limit in Illinois? Uh,
2: I think it's 24 weeks. Okay. And I think in Chicago, the clinic that goes the, Oh wait, no, I think I'm going to misspeak here. The clinic we send the most people to does twenty three point twenty three weeks and three days. Okay. Or twenty three weeks and six days.
1: Three or Illinois five? Is, yeah, don't.
2: Yeah, don't. <laughs> okay. hey, everybody listening, don't quote us. <laughs> right. <laughs> Got it. Um, but Illinois, Illinois is twenty four weeks. I'm okay. pretty pretty sure. Let's
0: okay. Let's google that. Yeah. Um. And how does <laughs> how does Illinois stack up? Um. To a lot of the surrounding states.
2: Much better. I, mean, okay. I think, like, think Indiana like, is Indiana like 15 or something? I, uh, it I mean, be, it might be 22 still, but or it was, I guess it's not anymore. Well, it Do may I? have
1: been that Indiana, and this is years ago, at one point and I think this was Indiana, um, it's, it, it's so hard to keep up, too, with all of the different changes, so I feel like Indiana at one point was technically 20 weeks, but you couldn't get care past 14 because of other restrictions. And so I think a lot of people, you know, went to clinic thinking like, oh, I'm not at 20 yet. I'm okay. And then, you know, bad news. And now you got to go out of state.
2: Yeah, because even if your gestational limits were X, um, they would – remember, like, there were those big um, bills that passed that said you had to be – have admitting privileges in a local hospital. And then those local hospitals, because they might have, like, a a forced birth policy, um, would not admit those doctors at the clinics, et cetera. So, like, yeah, that's an excellent point, Madison.
0: Okay. Um, So I did – want to this is going to be a, a very harsh shifting gears but that's fine um so you no know, this is this is a dog centric podcast so <laughs> I want you guys to talk talk to me about about your dogs um Veronica tell me tell me about your pups
2: um I got Nora who is waiting patiently for her walk post dinner right now Aww. uh about 6 weeks ago she I adopted her from Felines and Canines
0: Okay, very cool.
2: Um, yeah, uh, she's a real good girl. She's trying to kill a fly right now and failing awesome. miserably. Uh, <laughs> but she's, I think, maybe a Catahoula mix. She's gorgeous. She's got two little oh pink on her nose. Um, awesome. And she's a very good girl. The people who had her before um, returned her because they said oh. she had behavioral issues, which I think they didn't socialize her in the last six weeks. She's, like, sure. grown. She, like, can chat with other dogs now without you know getting her hackles up. Oh good she is better with people for the most part. Um she's just yeah she's so great. And because of her my daily steps went from like five (laughs) thousand to like fifteen to seventeen thousand literally in a day. Which was that's that's
0: great. Um what was it what was it about her when you when you found her at felines and canines uh that sort of drew you in
2: uh she was purported to not attack cats
0: and okay. I also
2: have two cats and they come, they came first cause right. they are here first. Um, and so I was between Nora and this other dog, Precious, who was a genuine sweetheart who I spent like 45 minutes just trying to like get her to approach me and be comfortable with me because she was so timid. Um, but Precious wasn't vetted around cats. So I went with Nora.
0: That's awesome. All right. And, and Madison, let, let's hear about your dogs. Yeah. Well,
1: and I have a question for Veronica too. Is this your first dog like ever in life?
2: Um, I grew up um, hounding my parents for a dog. Mm-hmm. And it <laughs> took between me and my sister, 20 years of like, just like advocating for ourselves. I wrote every paper in elementary school about why I should have a dog, persuasive <laughs> narrative exposition <laughs> of why I should have a dog. And so finally, when my sister moved out, my parents got a dog. <laughs> she thought was like the ultimate betrayal.
0: Oh no. Oh.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah. So she, so we got our, our Basset hound Sophie, um, who was the most annoying, stubborn cutie pie. So I grew up with Soph, but she was definitely my dad's dog. So this is like okay. my first dog. Mm. Yeah.
0: Cool. Well, congratulations. Um, that's really cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. hey, Madison, let's, let's hear about yours.
1: Um, yeah, I, uh, have a couple dogs currently one um lives with my parents back in Tennessee where I grew up so I don't get to see her very much um but her name is Bash which is a family name um okay I think my dad's one of my dad's grandmothers um but you know she also like grew into that name and like will bash into things and (laughs) not care um she's She's some sort of terrier mix. Um, we think she has some pit bull in her. I love pit bull mixes. So awesome. um, Same. yeah, I grew up with another pit bull mix who was just the best dog in the world. And so that was like all I wanted. Um, yeah. So she's like 13, almost 14. Um cool. So she lives her best life at my parents' house where she has a big backyard and like they let her out as many times as she wants. And like my mom is home all day and all that. So when I moved here, I was like, well, I can't, I I can't take that life away from her. Um, but luckily, um, when I started dating my current boyfriend, he came with a corgi uh, named, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) um, yeah. His name is Indy, which is short for Indiana, which I guess is short for like the like kennel club official name of um, we named the dog Indiana, which is like a apparently an Indiana Jones reference. Yes, it is. Um, Yeah, my boyfriend is like very into like archaeology and stuff. So okay, oh, okay, yeah. Okay. So not named after the state of Indiana. That's, oh, I full
0: stop
2: thought that that's
0: what Indiana was named after. <laughs> no, I I absolutely do get that reference. I know exactly. I know exactly that reference. So so I'm I am very pleased. I'm also a big Indiana Jones fan. So <laughs> um, I totally get. I totally get the reference. Um, that's it. That's really cool. Um, and. What was it like when, when you moved in with, with your boyfriend or, you know, when you, when you got together with your boyfriend, um, what was, what was, um, Indy's reaction to you as a new person coming in?
1: Oh, he loved it. I mean, he loves humans, like especially females. Um, like my boyfriend still jokes that like Indy, like sealed the deal for him (laughs) and that I like only stayed around for the dog, which is not true. Um, It's definitely a perk, but I was, yeah, I was super excited to meet him and he didn't seem put off in any way for like getting a new mom. (laughs) Um, And like, I think at this point, because we've been together for over four years, um, like there's times when I feel even a little closer to him because he'll like (laughs) shadow me and I stayed home the whole pandemic and my boyfriend did not. So I was just home with him. All day, my little coworker. So
0: <laughs> that's great. No, that I mean, that's that's the joke my wife and I made um, when we got together. You know, a few years back, um, we each had a dog, so we each brought a dog into the situation, and and you know, we ah. we, we joke that you know, theirs was the real love story um, over the years. Um, theirs was the real love story. You know, like, we're the ones who got married, but they're the ones who truly, truly have, like, the fairy tale story to tell. Um, and I, also, I also, I also, <laughs> I also so, it said we've got two. Um, one is, is a senior. Um, he's the one who's sort of in here with me resting. He's my older terrier mix, Chester. Um, and I've had him for, Actually, it was eleven years as of yesterday, and um, and so that that's Chester. And then his younger brother, who who um, came with came with my wife, is is Bodie. And I don't know if any if either of you are Point Break fans, but that's where the name came from. Um, Patrick Swayze's character in Point Break. Uh, okay. Um, and he's he is a husky mix who was was about five. Um, yeah. And oh, so, so we, you know, we now, you know, we both lived, you know, very fur covered lives before before we started living together. And now it's now it's just extra and it's great. Um, and so, again, sh- shifting gears back, you know, you mentioned you mentioned, you know, being home with with Indy throughout throughout the pandemic. So for Mac, how did the pandemic change things? And I know that's mm. another that's another really loaded question, but you know, because I'm I'm sure there were a lot of ways, but like, you know, how how was that felt throughout the organization?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big things was we had to um, you know, put our volunteer programs on pause. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have as we mentioned, we had hosts and drivers. Um and so, you know, just for everybody's health and safety. We had to, um, you know, suspend those, you know, the drivers, we were able to kind of gauge, you know, individuals, you know, how they were feeling. And we instituted some rules and we were able to kind of sure. bring that back slowly. Um, you know, the hosts, um, that was suspended for a much longer period of time. Um, and I think also kind of, you know, the external forces happening outside of Mac, like a lot of clinics. um you know, instituted rules about, um, you know, not having people come with you, or, you know, there were all kinds of rules that you had to kind of scramble and try and learn for the different clinics. Um, You know, another big thing was that uh, Texas, um, for a few days, a couple weeks, I forget exactly how long, um, had to close all of their clinics. Um, And so that was a scramble to try and, you know, support the folks in Texas. But unfortunately, a little bit of a preview to what came later. Um, Right.
0: Yeah. Wow.
2: And I would say also for, I mean, even now it's still impacting clients because if they have a fever Mm -hmm. or something, Mm -hmm. you know, clinics are still doing their due diligence to ensure that their staff and other patients um, are protected against COVID. So if you fly in from Louisiana for a one-day procedure, which I can't stress how obscene that is. um, Right uh, you, and you have a fever, um, which might be a body's reaction to anything, um, the clinic might not admit you and you will have mm. flown from Louisiana to Chicago and like, you know, gotten taken time off, um, right. you know, found childcare, et cetera, for all the, like, put your life on pause and like had people cover things that are happening in your life in place X to fly to Chicago, all to be told, sorry, we can't admit you, you have a fever. So that's also a way I think it's been impactful to clients as well.
0: Yeah. Have you seen, has that happened a lot or is it, you know, is is that more the exception? Mm.
1: Luckily, no. I'm actually like pleasantly surprised it hasn't happened more. Yeah. Okay. It happened kind of recently where folks were scrambling to like find a, a test that, you know, that the yeah. person could take that like, a clinic would accept. Um right. you know, now a lot of places won't accept like home tests or rapid right. tests. Um and I think the person did end up having to go to another clinic, but I think everything did work out. But you know, That's it good. it was kind of an additional scramble.
0: Yeah. Um have just out of curiosity, have either of you had it? Whether you had COVID?
1: Yep.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. I
2: got okay. it, like, four months ago, right before I was supposed to go on a trip, and I was
0: so Oh, annoyed.
2: wow. Oh, no. Oh, no. I,
1: I, <laughs> I actually um, lost my taste and smell the night before Thanksgiving of last oh, year. Oh,
0: wow. <laughs> well, that's nuts. Um, that must be nuts. Yeah?
2: How long did it
1: take to get it back? Yeah. Um... It, most of it about a week. Yeah. I was, I was really nervous cause I'd heard of people sure. not getting it back for months or, and, and it was still a little wonky after a week, but it, it was largely back. Um, so okay. that was a big relief. Yeah. Good. But yeah. Like what timing, right?
0: Yeah. You mentioned that, you know, the, the volunteer driving program kind of came back, you know, started coming back and the, the hosting program had to come back more slowly. Is Mac back to normal in terms of the hosting program?
1: I no, I, you know, it's, we kind of had to reevaluate, you know, a, you know, it's been two years, people have yeah. moved, people have different living situations. Right. So we first had to kind of evaluate like, you know, who kind of we still had, who was like trained and, and background checked and all the things we do to, you know, make sure people are safe. Um, And then, you know, with, with row falling, we just haven't had the chance to, you know, open up to like new volunteers. It's just been so much. And I think also, you know, there's a bigger conversation about, um, you know, kind of what's going to be best for clients, what's most comfortable. You know, it's, it's a really, it can be like a really uncomfortable thing to go stay in a stranger's home, even though, you know, you hear that they're, you know, they've gone through all these steps and stuff. And especially when you're you know, going through um, a healthcare procedure, and you may not feel well, and, and all these kind of considerations. So, um, you know, it's this kind of more holistic, like, what is best? Um, you know, so who knows if we'll kind of get back to, to pre-pandemic um, status in terms of, of hosting and, and that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, I feel like the default used to be have a host like I think especially when I was coordinating I mean years ago we just didn't have the funds to put people up in in hotels I remember when we had $1,500 to our name so like we couldn't put somebody in a Chicago hotel for 400 to 500 dollars right whatever it might be um so I feel like default was always hosting but now I feel like when I'm coordinating at least default tends to be put them up in a hotel okay um more than more than not
0: has that um has that affected the sheer number of people that Mac is able to help?
1: Fortunately, I don't think it has. Um, I honestly think, you know, currently we're just more restricted by like, you know, person power um, right. to support folks. Um, you know, we've been lucky to receive so much financial support um from people from all over um both before and after ro fell um and so luckily i you know and that was a big thing before like we've never had to turn anyone away from some sort of support for money reasons um yeah so so fortunately that hasn't gotten in the way i mean you know you never know what the volume may grow to and and right. And change that but you know not so far
0: okay um so have have both of you um hosted people
1: um i used to yes
0: okay i, I don't any longer okay um how about, how about you madison
1: no i have not um like i said i lived in a studio right, when i started right. and through my first couple years i was still <laughs> living in that in that studio sure. um and Yeah. Also didn't have a car. So I have not served in that way. But yeah, Veronica used to back in the day. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Veronica, talk about that experience, inviting people, you know, sort of into your place to, you know, who you've never met and who have never met you. Like what what is it like?
2: Um, I mean, I think it depends on the person, right? So um I mean I remember the first person I hosted. Um, I got, you know, like pinged at like 3 PM, like, Hey, Hmm. this person is coming. And the person was incredibly kind, um, and spun a lot of yarn about stories around their life. So they just, I, I, am not sure if everything they told me was true, but (laughs) they were a delight. Um, and that was at a time when I was still working in the loop. So I was like, I would, I like went to meet them places to like shuffle them to places where they could sit and wait, um, and hang out. But it was. That was interesting. I had an air mattress that I bought because uh, I I just didn't I didn't have a lot of money, so I, I bought it at Target right. for like fifty bucks. And I feel so bad. <laughs> I felt so bad. I still feel bad at like two AM. I'd hear because they had to the inflate <laughs> it. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh.
0: <laughs> like,
2: do you want to just sleep on the couch? Um, but I, you know, I I had there. There were so many people that were just just lovely people. Lovely humans, and I'm somebody who tends to I think be more of an extrovert. So I was, I'm like energized by new humans and new conversation. Um, and so it was; these were just human beings who were accessing medical procedures who just had a. We, we would watch Glee, or we would, you know, put on. Hmm. That was I. That was a younger person who came. She wanted to okay. watch Glee, but and, um, and I fully forgot that that first season is all around pregnancy. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs>
2: Are you
1: sure this is what you want? <laughs> oh no! And oh, I wow.
2: ran out to get us insomnia cookies. Like, I, I, everyone okay. was just amazing. Um, yeah, I, I, I never, I never regretted hosting. It was always lovely.
0: Okay. What do you tell the person? You know, both you've sort of alluded to earlier. um, You know, people putting their trust in these random, you know, these seemingly random strangers. Like, what do you tell the person who is, you know, who's like? well, you know, I need this, you know, I need this healthcare. I need, um, this, this procedure, but like you're, you're having me stay with, with just this random person. Like, how do you sort of assuage that fear?
2: Uh, well, when I was doing it, I, there wasn't a choice cause we just couldn't okay. afford to put them in a hotel. Right. Right. So it was like, I'm really sorry. This is literally what we can do for you. So sure. please do or don't. Um, yeah, but I think now if somebody, I, I don't know, Madison, how do we, how do we just accommodate yeah. them?
1: Yeah. I mean, if someone's really like, you know, no, I'm just not comfortable. Um, then we can look at, at hotel options. Sure. Um, I mean, there's, you know, there's pros and cons to both. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, I would also stress like, you know, like I was talking about kind of the the steps involved and reassure them like they are trained, they are background checked, mm-hmm. you know, they have had folks stay in their house before, like they they know the deal. Um but yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, again, back in the day, like there there, there was no other choice that we could offer. Um but you know, I like we're not going to just like force someone <laughs> um right. to like stay in someone else's home. It's, you know, kind of what other options can we offer and luckily, you know, after A little while we we had another option to offer okay
2: um i had a question do we now do home visits before somebody hosts to like see the space
1: yes um we talk about timing again um we implemented that in late 2019 early 2020 Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so as a like kind of core leadership volunteer group we all like pitched in and visited all of the like current hosts and i think we kind of finished that up maybe late February and we're like ready to
0: go, (laughs) so,
1: um, but yes, I, I don't know if they like re home visited folks who were on the roster before. Um, but yes, that is something that we
0: instituted.
2: That is so cool. That is so cool that Mac does that.
0: Yeah. Um, so you mentioned the, the training process for, for hosting. What, what's, is that process?
1: Yeah, it has definitely evolved. Um, And yeah, Veronica and I have both uh, led trainings. Um, I I think a big part of it was taking them through kind of what clients are going through. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, before I joined Mac, I didn't know that an abortion procedure could last more than a day. Um, Right. And so, you know, we kind of go like what happens at each appointment, Um, you know, maybe kind of how they'll be feeling. Um, and, you know, we go through logistics, like, you know, here, provide them dinner and we'll reimburse, you know, this amount, like that kind of stuff. Um, you know, kind of different rules in terms of, um, you know, what to do or not to do. I think a big thing is like, you know, letting the client kind of decide, you know, how engaged they want to be. Like if they want to watch TV and like, you know, talk till two in the morning or whatever, like that's great. But if they want to go... Um, you know, in their room or in their area and, like, shut off, like, that's fine, you know, and, and it's not a time to kind of talk, like, politics around the <laughs> issue as well, um, like, it's really just, you know, they are doing a, a thing for themselves and their families, um, and kind of, you know, letting them lead kind of what's what's most comfortable. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting things, Veronica, I know it's been longer <laughs> since you did the training,
0: but... <laughs>
2: Uh, I think you hit the big ones. Yeah, that all sounds very correct.
0: Okay. Um so you brought up you brought up politics um and I don't know. no no <laughs> yeah. I, what what I'm curious what I'm curious about um you know you both you know you're in this field that is fraught to say the least um and so I want to know, you know, we we've all heard kind of the horror stories of like protesters outside clinics and people yelling at, at people going in and all that and all that stuff. What I want to know, though, is um, has there been, you know, you know, you're both very open about what you about what you do and how you're involved with with this organization. Have either of you received, you know, blowback from from friends, family, anything like that? You know, any, you know, and I'm, I'm not asking, you know, name names or, or throw people under the bus or anything like that. But I, but I am curious, you know, how the people around you reacted to it when you started um, with this organization.
1: Yeah, I think the uh, the only, like, blowback, so to speak, I receive is from my parents who are supportive of the cause, um, mm-hmm. but are also like, you know, are you safe? Okay. Um, as, you know, like, because like, it's a very controversial thing. Um, And, and yeah, they're just, like, that's, like, their big concern with me being so involved and so um, open about it. But I assure them, you know, that we have an amazing, like, security and tech team who are, like, very concerned with the safety both of, you know, staff, board, volunteers, as well as our clients um, and are very, very, like... um, Passionate about like privacy, um, sure. and and like keeping you know any kind of information that we have um, you know safe and secure as well. Um, okay. So that's kind of the only blowback. I think um, you know I would imagine the same for Veronica in terms yeah. of like the the people around us you know that that we choose to have as like as friends and and circles um, you know are tend to be for the most part, like-minded. And, and like, I know, uh, you know, so many of my friends are extremely supportive and and I definitely had people right. come to me when Ro fell and, and said, you know, like who had been around and like come to fundraisers and supported before, but say, Hey, like, you know, let us know if there's anything else we can do mm-hmm. um, as things get even worse.
2: Yeah. I think like, uh, I, I, the term, like, living in a bubble has, like, always kind of chafed, um, because <laughs> I I think the people um, – and I think this is more of a conversation that people are having generally. Um, yeah, you can kind of live in, in an echo chamber, and that is a danger, but at a certain point, certain policy beliefs that people frame as just political are genuinely just ethically immoral, and so those people who hold right. those views self-select out of my life. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. anybody ever – Gave me flack for supporting abortion access. Like, peace out, man. Unfriend on Facebook. Lose my number. (laughs) I'm out. Okay. um, Yeah.
0: Um, How do you two take care of yourselves through all of this? Mm. This is not. This is not easy, and like I've I've done, like I've done an episode on of this podcast on self care and on compassion fatigue, and you know it's something that I see in my, you know in my line of work a lot too. You know, I see you know we want to kind of help everybody and and you know do whatever we can. How do you guys you know through all of this, take care of yourselves and make sure you can sort of give your best to the organization?
1: Yeah, I think you know it's it's kind of like this podcast where we're like talking about, you know some heavy things, and then we talk about the dogs and like <laughs> you gotta like, you know find ways to bring joy. Um, mm-hmm. into your life. And like, the dog is definitely a, a <laughs> source of joy and like loved ones. Um, Yeah, it was kind of funny. So we had actually moved into a new home the day before Roe fell. So it was like first morning wow. in the new home. And we had Indy was with a dog sitter just while we moved. Right. And like, that was my one of my first initial like my first reaction was like, no, 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 no. And my second one was like, Oh, my God, the dog's not here. I need something to comfort me. Like my boyfriend was at work. Um, I like ran and got a stuffed animal to like hold me over until the dog could come home. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's definitely like finding joy, you know, separating yourself from um, the heaviness of it. And, and, you know, we're we're getting better at that at kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's part of kind of the like, you know, not being able to serve quite as many folks is because we want to protect the folks that are doing the work as well, not burn them out and not, you know, right. just make them miserable and, and give them the space, um, to take care of themselves as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I have two things in response. One, why wasn't I watching Indy? <laughs> oh no.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. I caught that. <laughs> uh, Did he tell you he had a bad time at my place?
1: No, 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 no. Yeah. (laughs) Veronica is, for the record, Veronica is a great dog sitter. We just, we have, we have like a waiting list. So we got to like spread the love.
2: (laughs) Um, And two, I learned my lesson because the whole reason I bailed on the position I had at Mac originally was because I was completely burned out. And I felt like I had exhausted, like, I one, well, it was 2016. And so like, you know, I think the whole world was just kind of in a constant state of jaw drop. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And I like had tried to get support and it's, it's volunteer organization. Yeah. Um, and I found myself fraying at the ends. I found myself probably being rude to volunteers who were like, Oh, oh. I know I said I could host, but now I can't. And I'm like, too bad. Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like,
2: and I was like, Oh, this isn't great. Um. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I backed out of that role. Um and you know, coming back and coordinating, and I should stress I haven't handled a lot of clients in the last like year. Um, but when I do, you know, I ended up getting a promotion recently and I told the you know the Mac coordinators, Hey, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to pause on coordinating. I have to dive into this role. And I don't know what that means necessarily for my time outside of work and what I need to do. So like giving that space and the fact that Mac is growing, um, gives comfort to that um like we have good volunteer coordinators we have what five coordinators on staff now is that
1: right Madison um I think it's four and like every every member of staff has been coordinating and so we're trying to also kind of like you know define roles and like you know grow this team that is dedicated to this Um, but yeah I mean I know I for one and I would imagine similar for you, Veronica, but correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, it's, it's so great to like, keep that connection, um, to folks and, and it keeps you grounded. It, it like helps you remember, um, you know, what it's all for and, and like, and just to be able to, you know, say to staff too, like, Hey, you're at your capacity for the week. I can, you know, I can work with somebody.
2: I can take a couple. Yeah, I definitely, I feel like there's a tendency in myself at least to want to like dig a hole and stuff my head in the sand. So being (laughs) a part of Mac really doesn't allow me to do that, which is good. (laughs) Like I should put my head in the sand during this time. So. Um,
0: Okay. Um, So the last thing I wanted to get into, um, for people who are thinking about getting involved, um, you know, obviously like you know, you guys need donations and you, you know, and, and all, and that's always, and that's always helpful. Um, what about beyond that for people who want to do more than just give money? What are the, what are the needs right now?
2: I don't work in the like client management or the volunteer management (laughs) sphere anymore, but I fathom if it's anything like 2016, we're probably overloaded with requests to volunteer. So, Mm -hmm. um,
0: Patients. okay Patients okay
2: people who are yes. processing your applications yes. please do not send follow-up emails please do not hound people because like we are doing like i'm sure whoever's coordinating that is doing their gosh gotcha darn best um money I, I know you said like other than money but m- money
0: money's big <laughs> like, For sure.
2: money's money's huge so
0: yeah money. okay
1: yeah i mean you know i i get that like you know people are kind of looking for other ways. And right. like, that's that's not always the like most fun answer. Um, right. I mean, it's not for us either. Cause like existing in capitalism, like things just take money. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But what I like to say to that too, is like it, it doesn't necessarily have to just be like taking money out of your own pocket. Like we've had right. so many cool, like yes. just so cool fundraisers um, with people creating art, or jewelry, or baked goods, or having like a block party, like there's so many different creative ways to fundraise, you know, you can get friends or family together. So it's not just, you know, one individual um, effort. Um, You know, I, I, that's like a little more fun than just like taking money out of your own pocket, especially if you don't like not everybody has money in their own pockets, like especially after the pandemic and like inflation and like, totally get that. Um, Yeah. And I, oh, go ahead, Veronica.
2: Um, I was gonna say also just spreading the word about Mac. So like, if you don't have money, share our posts, engage with our pages, um, shout us out to your rich friends or your bosses. (laughs) You're comfortable (laughs) with that, like, get get other people to give us money.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um. So final thing. Um. Where can people find find out more about Mac, and if they want to get involved, if they want to donate, tell people how to how to do that.
2: I. Yeah, you can go to our website at midwestaccesscoalition.org.
0: Okay. Um, We are also
1: on the socials. We're probably most um, active on Instagram. Um, I think decently active on Twitter as well. Maybe not as much on Facebook. Um, But yeah, I would say, you know, following us as well as other funds, clinics. I mean, that's where you're going to get, like, the most information about a, what is needed and like what's going on, um, in different, you know, areas of the country and, and things like that. So that's all, you know, gather all that information and share it.
0: Well, you you know, you heard it. I mean, that's go, go to Midwest access coalition.org, go check, check Mac out on all their social channels, uh, find out everything you can, um, give what you can. You know, I told you both, this is something that, you know, I wanted to shout out the work that, that Mac is doing um, because I think it's so important. And um, so yeah, just go out there, get involved, do it, do what you can. Um, Veronica and Madison, thank you so much for being a part of this. Um, it was an absolute joy and just an honor for me to be able to talk about this with you. You were doing the the work in the trenches and it's so important. and it really, you know, I, I love being able to use this platform that I have in, in this way. And so thank you for, for allowing me to, to do that.
1: Yeah. Thank Thank you for, yeah, for lifting up Max work and, and this issue as a whole. Um, it's, like I said earlier, it's going to take everybody and, um, it's a marathon. So yeah, really, really appreciate you having us.
0: Thanks Thanks for checking out Hound Opinions. If you like what you hear, we'd appreciate if you gave Hound Opinions a good rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bill Mayeroff is the owner and chief canine officer of Big Wags Chicago Dog Training and Dog Walking. You can find Big Wags Chicago online at bigwagschicago.com. You can also find us under the handle at Big Wags Chicago, all one word, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. If you have a dog question you'd like answered on a future episode, or if you just want to say hi, email podcast at bigwagchicago.com. Hound Opinions is a production of Big Wag Chicago. Bill Mayeroff is the editor and producer. The executive producers of Hound Opinions are Winchester X. Puppington the 17th and Bodie Johnson. Thanks.